Welcome to the Kick-Ass Podcast, episode number 22. I'm your host, Heather, and today we are talking about turning negative reviews online into positives. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Podcast, where you'll find the tools to level up your business, your mindset, and your life. Please pass the seatbelt. So we are still in the midst of the um, coronavirus lockdown and some businesses are starting to look to reopen and things like that. But for the most part, we've all kind of accepted we're here right now and we're probably going to be here for the next few months for sure. And then this is probably going to have an impact well into later 2020 and even into 2021. So a lot of businesses right now are being proactive in jumping online, which is obviously in my view, fantastic, because that's what I do for a living. Um, But it's pushing people to get past their excuses. And one of the big excuses that we've come up against, which I call excuses, owners would call reasons. Um, My reason I call it an excuse is because there's an answer to it. And I think that a lot of the reasons people weren't jumping online was because of fear. But what they were telling me was, you don't get to control what people say about you online. Therefore, we don't want to be online because if somebody says something negative, we won't be able to counteract that. They wanted soapbox messaging, commercial messaging, not social media messaging, because the social part means there's a response. It's like a two-way street, right? Now, no business owner likes getting a negative review. Nobody does. We have spent so many man hours, so much of our money, so much of our energy. We've sacrificed so much for our businesses that for somebody to come in and say, I hate your business, they're basically saying, I hate your baby. And that's, it can be really, really, really hard to process. And I understand that. Absolutely. But the thing about negative reviews and the thing about opening yourself up to the point that people can give you negative reviews, well, the people are thinking and feeling and having that experience anyway. And if they don't have the opportunity to tell you because they don't have that, these are kind of like keyboard cowboys and they are not going to say it to your face or maybe they have said it to your face and didn't like the response they got and they're still mad. Well, they're going to be telling somebody, right? So if they're doing a review, either a Google review or a Facebook review or Yelp, wherever it is, as long as you have the ability to respond, which almost all of them do allow the owner the ability to respond, um, you're given the opportunity to turn that complaint into a conversation where if you're not online, those people still have that same complaint. It's just they're going to have to say it over and over to a lot of people before that anger goes away. So in this case, they get to jump online, tell you how much they hate you and how much you suck, and then you have they feel better and you have a chance to respond. The other thing to remember when you're looking at negative reviews and dealing with online complaints is it is never about the reviewer or complainer. You've probably lost their business for good. In most cases, you're probably pretty okay with losing their business for good. Like you really are. Anybody that I no longer work with, I'm pretty much happy to no longer work with. Like I'm, I'm good with it. We, it was a mutual decision for whatever reason. And I've never been really surprised 
if somebody chose to start working with another company or another person, it happens. It's completely fine and it doesn't take me by surprise. So no review that I would get would be surprising. Sometimes it is because you haven't communicated properly, but again, that now indicates that you're, you know, you, you have to fill that hole in your business. But for the most part, we don't want the complainers back. We want them gone. They don't bring good energy. They usually don't pay the best. They usually aren't all of those things. So this gives us a chance not to respond to the complainer, but to respond to everybody else who's going to hit your website, everybody else who's going to hit your Facebook page, everybody else who's going to hit your Google listing. The reviews are there and your chance to respond is there. You can look at it as a marketing tool for everybody who isn't that reviewer. We all know human behavior. When we go on to, let's say, a new Facebook page or we hear about a new business, we go and check the reviews. Do we hit the five-star reviews to read through them all carefully? No, we do not. Nobody does. It's the same as when you're giving references. You know you're going to be giving the references of people who are positive about your business. They, They like you. It's all about the social proof, right? We go and we read the one-star reviews and the two-star reviews, and we have such a negativity bias that we consider the one- and two-star reviews to be quote-unquote real. And we've looked at the four- and five-star reviews as, well, those were just, you know, throwaways. Those are just the friends of the owners. Those are whatever. Like, we discount them. Even if we don't discount them out loud, we still discount them in our heads. So when you're given a negative review... That piece of content that someone else has generated is going to be a widely viewed piece of content. You have the chance to respond to that widely viewed piece of content in such a way as to impress everybody else who's going to read that piece of content. So how do you do it? First of all, take the emotion out of it. Like I said before, when somebody gives you a negative review, it's like they said they hate your baby. If you respond as if somebody said they hate your baby, everybody else is going to feel that anger and feel that negativity and feel that defensiveness. And then you are now Goliath. The reviewer is now David and they are going to side with the underdog because you are the big and powerful one. If you have pre-written responses and they can you can look measured and caring and open and all of these wonderful attributes of a calm leader while inside you know you're kicking and screaming because somebody said your baby was stupid if you can manage to put together a list of the most common complaints or if you go, even if you, you haven't had any yourself yet, but you go on your competitors and you read their reviews and what do people complain about? Or what do you hear from, from customers in your feedback? If you send out surveys, what is the negative feedback you get? Often when people send out surveys, your name is attached to it. So you're not getting a, an actual honest response. But most people kind of know the areas of their business that they might not be the best at or they might get complaints about. In that case, figure out what the problem is. And I'm not saying that the problem is necessarily you. The problem may absolutely be with the expectations of your customer. If you sell something that is more high-end, more natural, more refined, and the biggest complaint is the price, 
we paid $10 for this. It's not even worth it. I could have gotten the same thing at the dollar store. Well, the answer is no, you couldn't. Obviously, the, the things at the dollar store are not made with the same ingredients. They are not made with the same standards. They are not the same thing. You're not comparing apples to apples here. You would be tempted to just yell at the person and educate them and inform them about how that what is wrong with them and their worldview. But when you take a step back and you look at it, you say, okay, they were expecting something other than what they received. How do I make sure nobody else gets something other than what they were expecting? And you can frame the expectations that way. And then when you're responding, the next person who reads it will go, well, yes, obviously I was, I, I know I'm going to be spending more for something that looks the same, but it's going to work different. So a little bit of explanation can go a long way. A lot of explanation will look either defensive or like you are not taking them seriously. It'll look like you're lecturing and neither one of those is a good look. The other thing a long explanation does is it allows for more misinterpretation. It allows for a back and forth bicker match online, which is absolutely not what anybody wants. We do not want you to get into a back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah, well, oh no. Well, actually, no, leave the well actuallys behind. Remember that this person was expecting something from you and didn't receive that thing. Regardless of what you think about them as a human, regardless of whether they're stupid in their ex expectations or not, they expected something from you and they didn't receive it. There was a communication breakdown at some level and you as the business owner or the business manager do take some responsibility for that. You don't necessarily take responsibility for the actual issue. It may be totally on the other person, but you do take some responsibility for the communication of it. Nobody is impressed when an airline says, well, this is our policy. Well, this is our policy. Well, we're sorry that you don't like our policy. That does not go over well. That's what just explaining or just that that's that sort of defensive, you know, cut and paste knee jerk. Well, this is our policy. If you don't like it too bad, this is our policy. You should have read the fine print. That doesn't feel good to everybody else who is now in this situation. So I've given you a whole list of things not to do. <laughs> so what do you do? Like I said, you Fill out an entire sheet, brainstorm, get your people involved. What are things that people have complained about, could complain about, might come back and complain about? What are the areas that we may get negative reviews? What are the areas that we're scared of getting negative reviews? And then formulate a response. So there are two different styles of responses. One is if it's a valid complaint. If you know what, at the end of the day, you screwed up. You did. It was your fault and you dropped the ball. Whether it was actually your fault or whether it was a staff member's fault or whatever, it was the brand's fault. It was the company's fault. You did a thing. You didn't do the thing. It was more expensive. It was whatever. You have reasons, but it's still a valid complaint. The very first thing you need to do is acknowledge their grievance. Acknowledge the fact that you let them down. That does not... Donald Trump, make you look weak. It makes you look responsible. It makes you look like you care. 
And that is something that you absolutely need when you're dealing with a negative response. You need to engender some empathy so that people will have some empathy for you as well. And then you don't become this faceless brand and company. You become a human. The second part of that response, and this this acknowledgement of their grievance and a sincere apology can be pre-written. Write it when you're happy and you're thinking about your customers as your BFFs, and then you kind of let them down and you want to write something to let them know that you're really sorry. Imagine it, visualize it, and write it right now when it's not happening. So then you can copy and paste when you're actually mad at them. So the first step is acknowledge their grievance, whatever it is. The second one is offer a sincere apology. The third one is give an option, give real options to take the conversation offline. And you can follow that up with a vague response that you want to make it right. You don't need to be public with how you're going to solve the situation. What you do need to be public with is an offer to solve the situation. Sometimes people will come back and say, you can't solve this anyway. Well, that's fine. It's not about them. It's about everybody else who's going to read this, right? So you have now shown yourself to be someone who's willing to work with a client who's not willing to work with you. Well, most of us have worked in the service industry at some point in our lives, and we have all dealt with that person. There are entire Karen memes about that person. I need to speak to the manager. The perception now is you are David, and this person is Goliath, and they're trying to ruin your business. That's what you're trying to get to. You're not trying to manipulate to get there. You're trying to actually be in a place where you want to help people and you are sincere and they are rejecting your help. The biggest thing is give the option to take the conversation offline, but it has to be a real option. It can't be, please send us a DM and we'll do what we can. That's not a real option. You could say, send us a direct message or are, may we direct message you, please? So put the onus on yourself, not on them, so that we can provide you with the email address of the person who can handle this for you. Because we don't want to necessarily do that publicly. That is a fantastic response. We are going to put you directly with the person who can help. And the last thing you put in is you sign with your name. You can sign with just your first name. Do not sign with just your last name and keep it casual. There was a former client who had a a slew of negative um, reviews and one of their employees signed with first name, last name and business title and this and this and it looked like a lawyer letter. It did not look warm and fuzzy. It did not look friendly and believe me when I tell you it did not go over well. It also followed a long paragraph giving really minute details about how the person was wrong. Anybody else who read that got the feeling that this company didn't care. They were only interested in making themselves right and making the client wrong. And guess what? That's just, whether whether it's true or not, that's not a company I want to buy from or I want to work with. And in this case, it's probably true. It's very, very delicate to get the right tone, which is why I suggest you write it ahead of time, visualizing, and then just make little tweaks for the situation at hand. So if it's a valid complaint, acknowledge the grievance. It does not make you look weak and it does not put you in legal jeopardy. Guess what? If it's true, it's true. 
Saying, yeah, it's true, just makes you honest. The second thing you do is you offer sincere apology. The third one is you offer to take the conversation offline and you make it easy for them. You offer to do the work. If you're comfortable giving out an email address, fantastic. If you're not, offer to send them a direct message with the email of the person or the phone number of the person who can help them. But you give a a vague response that we will work with you to make this right. And the last one is you sign with your actual name. And if it's a staff member, they sign with their actual name. If you want to jump in as the owner, you can say, I'm the owner. This is my name. I'm really sorry this happened, et cetera, et cetera. That even gives an extra little boost and an extra little like sort of warm and fuzzy feeling. If the, um, the complaint is not valid, which has happened. I have a, a client that, uh, they're a garage and they accused the, the garage of stealing tires because the guy forgot to bring the winter tires to put them on. So he just got an oil change and he meant to come back the next week and then he didn't. So then his wife goes to get the tires changed and they're the all seasons. They're not the winter tires after all. And they went on Facebook, they yelled and complained. They said that they were, you know, lying and stealing and everything else. And then they emailed them to say, whoops, we found our winter tires in the back of our garage. But they didn't go back on Facebook to give an update. (laughs) That was an invalid complaint and a really weird, wacky situation. So in that case, you can be general in your apology. It doesn't have to be really sincere. This is kind of the time for, I'm sorry, you feel that way. Because you're not taking responsibility and pretending to take responsibility just comes across a little bit fake. Immediately, you offer to take the discussion offline. You don't give all kinds of details. You just say, we have a lot of other details that we really need to discuss with you. Please email us at this address. And the third thing about it, that's it. And that's it. You don't don't apologize. You can still sign your name, but it's much different tone. So absolutely. We, we hear you. We understand your side. We have information we really need to share with you. Please get in touch with us at this name, at this number, or let us DM you and we'll give you the email and and the contact that you can use. Thank you and have a good day. What that tells all the other people coming to this is there is a whole side of the story and they're just trying to get that side of the story out. So again, it has a feel good feeling to all the people who aren't the complainer. The last big thing is delete complaints only if they are actually not about your business. So there's two businesses in in the city that I'm in that the first name, the business name, which is somebody's last name, oddly enough, it's not either of the business owner's last names, is the same. And one is a flower shop and one is a nursery. And the flower shop has gotten complaints about the nursery. Well, those ones, you can contact Facebook and you can flag it. They'll say, why are you flagging this? And they'll say, one of the options is, this is not my business. This is not about me. They will go and they'll delete it. They'll make contact with that person, say, was it this one or this one? And you kind of fill out a form and all of that stuff. Google does the exact same thing. You can flag it on Google. Google will take it off. And you just have to kind of go through the steps. But that only works if this person was never a client of yours. If they were a client of yours and you just don't like their complaint, they're not going to delete it. That's kind of the point of reviews is you're allowed to say your actual experience. What you're not allowed to do is screw up and hurt somebody's business. So that is it for negative reviews. 
Either way, what I would love for everybody to do right now, if you are a business owner or you are the person in charge of communications, write down your most common negative interactions, whether they're in person, via message or via email, wherever, and formulate your response ahead of time so you're not trying to come up with it in the heat of the moment when somebody is telling you that they hate your baby. Acknowledge the grievance offer a sincere apology, give real options to take the conversation offline and take the onus to do that with, and give a vague response that you are willing to make this right and sign with a name. Avoid defensiveness, avoid detail and avoid conversation. This is not the time to get into a back and forth. Up next, we will be, oh, that's what it is. I just found it. Um, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite books ever that I'm now rereading for. I don't even know how many times I've reread this, but it's called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And it's all about what is holding you back and an actual stupidly simple strategy to keep yourself moving forward. So that is up next. If you like what you heard, please let us know. We live on validation. Hit subscribe, leave us a review. And if you want to get in touch with us to see how we can help you, to see how we can help you with your negative review strategy, your Facebook strategy, your website design, anything along those lines, you can find us at hala.agency. That's H-A-L-A dot agency. And online everywhere as Hala Connected. Until next time, kick ass and live on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Now put down your phone and start kicking ass. (laughs) 